Grace and mercy and peace are all yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation today is the Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday from Genesis chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are say to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. Dear Christian, are you finding it hard to forgive? Maybe it's that friend who you thought was a close friend, you thought was a good friend, but they stabbed you in the back. Not once. Not twice. Not three times. You've lost count. How many times they've gone back on their word, how many times they've gossiped about you, how many times they've lied to you, over and over and over. Are you having it a hard time forgiving? Maybe, dear Christian, it's thinking to the past of a parent. A parent who was abusive, who struggled with addiction. And there's so many memories that come and thoughts that come about what you went through. Are you finding it hard to forgive? Now, maybe it's not those big things. Maybe, maybe Christian, you, you're having trouble forgiving even little things. That you struggle with just forgetting and letting go little things that people do to you. You're real good at keeping score and remembering who's wronged you, who said something bad about you, who crossed your path when they shouldn't have. Are you having a hard time forgiving? But again, maybe it is something really big. Maybe it's a spouse who was unfaithful to you. Are you having trouble forgiving? Maybe, maybe your brother sold you into slavery and then went and told your dad that you were dead because you got mauled by a ferocious animal. Now that probably hasn't happened to you, but it did to Joseph. The story of Joseph takes up the last 14 chapters of the book of Genesis. In Genesis 37, it starts with the jealousy 
of the brothers of Joseph and they then decide to get rid of him. At first, they're just going to throw him in a pit and leave him for dead. But then the brother Judah gets a good idea. Well, we can at least make some money off of this. Let's sell him. And so they sell him into slavery. And they go tell their father Jacob that their son, his son is dead. They take his robe and that, that beautiful multicolored robe that was the source of much of their jealousy. They dipped it in some goat's blood and say, look, this is all that's left of him. He got mauled by a, some sort of ferocious animal. We don't even know. But that wasn't the end of Joseph. The story continues for 14 chapters. And he went through struggle. He went through hardship. He went through time in prison for, for something he had not done. And we don't have time to cover all of the details of this account. Maybe your assignment for this week is go read Genesis 37 through 50. See what happened to Joseph. See the struggles he went through, but yet how God brought him to the place we see him here in the last chapter of Genesis and some of the last words of Genesis. He brings him, God brings Joseph to the second most important position in the world. He is the right-hand man of the Pharaoh of Egypt. God brought him to this place. This is nearly 40 years later. And there's a reuniting of Joseph and his brothers. Because there's a famine. And Egypt is the only place with food. And that's because Joseph, in his wisdom, God had revealed to him that there was going to be this famine. And they stored food up. And so everyone from all around is coming to Egypt for food, including Jacob and his sons, Joseph's brothers. And there's this reuniting of Joseph and his brothers and his father, but then his father dies. His father dies, and they begin to wonder here in our lesson. Now that our father's dead, now Joseph is just going to do what he's going to want to do with us. This is the second most important person in the world. He can, he can punish us with death if he wants to for what we've done to him. And so they ask for forgiveness. They ask for forgiveness for the sins and the wrongs that they have committed against them. And Joseph's response to them is not, you will die for your sins. You're going to get what you had coming to you, that I've been holding on to this grudge for the last 40 years, and now you're going to get it. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? Dear Christian, you are not in the place of God. You have no right to withhold forgiveness to somebody for their sins when they have confessed them and repented of them. You are not in the place of God. If God says that they are forgiven, they are forgiven. With repentance, there is forgiveness from God, and that means that there must be from you too. You are not in the place of God. God does not withhold forgiveness from the penitent, and neither can you. Because what is the place of God? The place of God is the cross. 
If you're struggling to forgive, if you're finding it hard to forgive, go back to the cross. That is the place of the Son of God. God himself there for you and for the sins of the world. For your sins and for the sins of the person that has hurt you and wronged you, no matter how bad it was or how many times it was, all of those sins were paid for at that cross. That is the place of the Son of God, and you are not in his place. If he wants to say they're forgiven because he paid for their sins, he can say they're forgiven, and they are. Joseph is not in the line of Jesus. You would think that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't you? I mean, he's really prominent in the Old Testament, but he's not. It's actually his brother Judah who is in the line of Jesus. And if you go and read Genesis 37 to 50, your assignment for this week, you'll get to hear a little bit about Judah and his sordid past. Not a likely candidate to be in the line of Jesus. In fact, that's often how God works. You look at the line of Jesus, there's a lot of people you wouldn't expect to be there. But Joseph is what we call a type of Christ or, or a, a picture of Christ, a foreshadowing of Jesus and what he would do. Because what happened to Jesus? What happened to the Son of God when he was here? He was sold. Sold not into slavery, but sold to be put to death. And he suffered. Suffered not in a prison cell, but in the prison of hell on that cross. And then God raised him, not to a position of earthly authority, but to his right hand. The right hand man of the Father is our Jesus who reigns and rules over all things for our good. The one who is there interceding for us, the one who is our mediator, that go-between, our constant reminder that every sin is forgiven in the presence of our Heavenly Father because Jesus sits there, our Savior, our substitute. You see, Joseph is an example of forgiveness for us here, but only in so much as he is an example of God's forgiveness. God's full and free forgiveness for us. And you think about God's forgiveness. It's not something you have to earn. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something you have to prove that you are worthy of receiving. No, because at that cross, Jesus earned that forgiveness for you. Jesus made you right with God already. There, the cross is the proof that all is done, all is completed. Your sins are taken away. That's God's forgiveness. Sometimes in our life, we want to tell people they have to earn our forgiveness. They've got to prove they're sorry. That they have to have the right to be forgiven by us. That is not God's forgiveness. That's not the forgiveness we're called to have for one another. God's forgiveness for us, it's not adding to what Jesus already did. 
It's not, well, yeah, Jesus died for you, but now you have to go and prove that you are really, really sorry and you are forgiven. You have to go and do all of these other things to really be sure that you're forgiven. It's finished. It's done. Your sins are nailed to that cross. It's completed. That's God's forgiveness for us. And so our forgiveness can't look like, well, I forgive you, but, but now you've got to prove that you deserve that forgiveness. No. Full and free, like God's for us. God's forgiveness is not one that will ever reach a point where he can no longer forgive. Where he will ever say to us, you've, you've just done that too many times. God's forgiveness is bottomless. God's forgiveness is for every sin. And so our forgiveness can't look like, well, I'll forgive you this time, but I won't for forgive, it, forgive it again. Or you've just done this too many times that I can no longer forgive you. No, God's forgiveness is full and free and final. And that's how we are called then to forgive one another. You know, what if they're not sorry? What if the person who's wronged us is not sorry for their sins and what they've done? Or, or maybe they, they, they say the words, but we're really wondering, are, are they really? Because right? we can't look into their heart and know for sure. You know, Joseph was seemingly faced with that situation too. I, we don't know for sure. Did, did Jacob say these instructions that they were supposed to give to Joseph that he should forgive his brothers? Or did they make the story up? I tend to think they made it up. You don't know for sure from the context. Maybe Jacob said it, but, but Joseph realized it wasn't his place to investigate and find out. Is this true or not? He heard their confession. Brother, forgive our sins and the wrongs that we have done for you, to you. And he forgave them. So, dear Christian, if, if that person doesn't seem sorry, you're not sure if it's just words coming out of their mouth, if they're really sorry for what they've done, it's not yours to worry about. Put it in the hands of God. They have to answer to God if they're not really sorry for those sins. We forgive. We forgive as we have been forgiven. Because when you know that full and free forgiveness of God for you, that's final and full and complete, you can't help but want to forgive others, can you? That's what we heard in our gospel lesson. Right, the, the, the servant who owed the king the thousands of bags of gold, which in today's money is millions of dollars. I mean, there's no way he could ever pay it back. He owes him millions a servant to a king. And that king canceled that debt and let him go on his way. But then you got the fellow servant who owes him you know, a few hundred silver coins, which is in today's money thousands of dollars, which that's a lot of money to most of us, isn't it? Thousands of dollars. But compared to millions of dollars, it's, it's not much of anything. The point of that parable is that God has so forgiven you fully and freely and final that who are we not to forgive our brother or sister from the heart? How can we not? I mean, if, if you're finding it hard to forgive, 
It's not because that person doesn't deserve it. It's not because they've hurt you too much. The problem is you don't comprehend God's full and free and final forgiveness for you. The billions and billions of sins that he has forgiven you. So if you're having trouble forgiving, if you're finding it hard to forgive, you go back to the cross and see all of your sins nailed there. See the punishment paid for you. They're only in the gospel. They're only in that good news of your Savior and your substitute will you find that ability to be set free and forgive. Forgiveness is the lifeblood of Christianity. It's at the heart of what Jesus has done for us to, so that he can give us salvation, so that he can give us that promise of eternal life. It's the lifeblood of Christianity. It's, it's why we live our lives in daily repentance because daily we need God's forgiveness and daily he is free and fully offers it. You know, the purpose of preaching is to remind Christians of truths they already know and to strengthen them in those truths so that they can believe them and then go live them. And I'm sure that for many of you today, everything that I've preached about so far is, is a reminder, is something that, that you already know, that you want to grow and that you want to go and live. But preaching also involves some teaching. Hopefully learning something new. And there's some things here in this account that really are remarkable about forgiveness. That yes, it's about forgiving as God has forgiven us, but there's, there's more here. When we look at Joseph's forgiveness for his brothers, we see this remarkable truth, this, this deep faith of Joseph here in this section. He says to his brothers, he says that you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. You see what Joseph is saying there is that you wronged me. What you did was sinful. And I'm not in the place of God. You're, you're forgiven for that. But I see what God has done through your evil and your sin. So dear Christian, God too uses the sin and the evil that people do against you for your good too. And maybe not like Joseph, you don't get to see it. Right? Joseph got to see how God had done that, how he helped be able to save many people by, by uh, you know, having that plan for that famine. Maybe you don't get to see it. But the truth is, the truth stands that God works in all things for the good of those who love him. Even people who hurt you, he works for your good in that. You look at this section here. We are called to forgive, but it's not just forgive and then I have nothing to do with you anymore. I don't care about you anymore. What does Joseph do with his forgiveness? He provides for them. He forgives them and he reassures them. He speaks kindly to them. He treats them with love. Friends, yes, it's forgiving as God has forgiven us, but then think about how God forgives you. He doesn't just say, all right, you're forgiven. Just stop doing that. Good luck. Goodbye. No, he continues to love you and care for you and assure you and remind you He's kind and compassionate to you. 
We heard it in our Ephesians lesson. Right? There at the center is forgive just as in Christ God has forgiven you. But what else did it say? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Walk in the way of love. Follow God's example. Live a life of love. Along with forgiveness comes kindness and compassion and love. On October 2nd, 2006, a man named Charlie Roberts went into Nickel Mines School in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, an Amish school. And he locked himself in and he, five shot, he shot five girls and injured another five. And then he took his own life. Now, I don't know how I would respond if I was the parents of one of those little girls. But you know how those Amish parents responded? Do you remember that story? They forgave him. They went to his widow and said, we forgive your husband for what he did to our families. And you think, that, that's a lot. That, that's huge, but, but that's not all. They went to his funeral and they made meals for her. They became friends with her. You see, Forgiveness is canceling that debt. You're forgiven. But it's also love and compassion and kindness and reassurance for that person who has wronged us. We're not in the place of God. All we're here to do is offer that free and full forgiveness that God has first shown us, that kindness and compassion that he has first shown us, that love that he has first shown us, that we get to show that for the world around us. So, why should you forgive? Well, it releases you from a burden, doesn't it? When you don't continue to carry that, that, that grudge around when you don't continue to carry that anger and that bitterness, it, it frees you. It frees the person you're forgiving, doesn't it? That they too are set free from that prison of their guilt and their shame. But over all of that, we forgive because God has first released you of your burden. Your debt is taken away. Your sins are forgiven. And so we too go and forgive. Was it hard for God to forgive you? In a way, yes. It took suffering for the sins of the entire world. That was hard. It took the punishment of hell. That was hard. It took death. That was hard. But now, God says it's yours. It's right here. A reminder over and over and over, you are forgiven. It's right here in just a few moments as you get to come forward and hear, given for you and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. God wants you to remind, remind you of that over and over and over. You are forgiven. So that you are released of that burden of your sins, but then you also can go and release others of their burden too.
That is, we're going to pray in the Lord's Prayer in just a few moments. Lord, forgive us our sins as we then go and forgive those who have sinned against us. God, help us do that. Amen. Please stand.